reading is from Acts 6, chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. And in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Amen. Let's pray again. Father, um, we pray that this passage from the book of Acts would help us as a church. Pray that we would understand what you are saying and that what you're saying to us. And um, we, again, we surrender our, our ambitions and plans to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this passage is is a bit um, uh, seems a bit disjointed in the book of Acts. If you've ever read through the book of Acts, you'll know that right before this passage comes a very dramatic story of Peter and, and the apostles preaching the gospel, being being jailed by the Sanhedrin, and then an angel coming to break them out of jail at night. And then after this passage comes the first Christian martyr, Stephen, and the very dramatic story of his martyrdom. And then here in the middle is a church administrative problem. We read the first verse where it says, In those days the number of disciples was increasing, and the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. It sounds like something that belongs in the minutes of a church meeting. Like Sister Bertha complained that the coffee was too hot in the fellowship time. It just seems kind of mundane, you know. And furthermore, the passage is surrounded by these stories of dramatic outward expansion and proclamation. And here we have a story of a food distribution issue. Well, the reason I chose to preach on this passage was to, for us to learn how God can take problems and turn them into opportunities for mission. In fact, if we read this carefully, you'll see this becomes a turning point for the ministry of the church when the Christian movement actually began to expand and reach more people because they handled this problem with wisdom and with the Holy Spirit. 
So let's unpack this narrative and find out what God wants to teach our church. And we'll take it in three chunks. First, a good problem, a good solution, and then a good outcome. So it begins with a good problem. It says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, there a lot of people now are coming to faith in Jesus. And there are now so many Christians in Jerusalem that among those Christians, there are so many widows who need taking care of. That's a good problem to have, right? It's a good problem. But this problem uh, causes some friction as well. And there's a cultural fault line in the church that is exposed. It talks about the Hebraic Jews and the Hellenistic Jews. These are all Christian believers, but the church at this point is all from Jewish background. The, he, the Hellenistic Jews are the ones who speak Greek as their first language, and they have Greek customs and culture. Perhaps they are transplants who have moved to Jerusalem. Apparently, a lot of widows would move to Jerusalem so they could die there. It was considered very um, a blessed thing to die in Jerusalem. And they'd come from all parts of the Roman world, different cultures, different customs. And then there's the Hebraic Jews on the other side, the, those for whom Hebrew or, or Aramaic is their mother tongue. And they're proud of their Hebrew-Jewish traditions and culture. And there's some friction because perhaps through a, a cultural difference, um, the, the Hellenistic Jews are being overlooked. They're not getting their Meals on Wheels deliveries. And this was probably a big deal for them because in, that, in those days, widows didn't have any social security or life insurance or, or social support networks. The church providing for them was probably it. And so there's some complaints. Can you imagine how the talk began to rise up What's the matter with Peter and the apostles? Don't they care about us? Do they think we're second-class Christians because we're Greek? So much for taking care of everyone, right? It might be hard for us to appreciate these cultural differences fully, but we have similar things here in Georgia. A few years ago, I was speaking with a lady who informed me that uh, those of us on this side of town are part of the, the real Georgia, the old Georgia. And then close to the highway is the new Georgia, the people that just moved here because it's close to Burlington and they like the school. And they don't really understand how our town works. They're not really invested in our town. <laughs> we have old Georgia and new Georgia here in this church. Thankfully, that hasn't become a major friction point. But you get the picture. This good problem turns into an issue that could tear the church apart. It's good that the disciples are increasing. It's good that all these widows need taken care of. But as a result, the 12 apostles are stretched too thin. They can't handle it all. They can't handle it all. So what are they going to do? Well, let's pause for a minute and think about what this might say for our church. 
we are not blessed with the good problem of having too many people coming to faith in Jesus all at once. I wish we would be in this town, but so far God isn't doing that. But if we look beyond our church, there are needs and problems in the community that affect us all, and especially that affect the future of our church. Last Sunday, you named many of the unmet needs in our community that are opportunities for mission. There was, you know, for, for seniors to be um, relationally connected and to be um, uh, given company. There was a need for people in poverty and drug addiction and broken homes to have hope. Many things, but, but one thing stood out among all of them, and that was the need of ministry to children. Children. I did some thinking about it this week. Do you know there are about a thousand school-age kids in Georgia? And there are four churches. That's a problem. That's an unmet need. There are so many kids right around us who need to hear about Jesus. There are so many kids from broken homes or single-parent homes or divorced-parent homes who need the loving support of a church family. There are so many teens who are trying to make their way in the world. And there's a huge opportunity there for mission. Now, let's pray that as we try to respond to this need, we would have some good problems in our church. What if... We had so many kids coming that we did not have room in Sunday school. What if we had kids coming from rough homes with behavior issues? What if we had unchurched families coming in and wanting to do things differently than we've done them in the past? Those would all be problems, but they'd be good problems to have. It's happened before. Um, our, our resident church historian, Colin Conger, um, put together a presentation about the history of our church a number of years ago, and I learned that in 1955, there were 105 students in our Sunday school. That was the same year we had to uh, create more space, and so members of the church hand-dug the basement below this room. I would guess to make more space for Sunday school. It's happened in the past. Now, what happens now, you know, maybe Sunday school will not be the answer. Maybe something else will be. But let's pray that we have some good problems because kids are being reached with the gospel. Back to the text. The good problem leads to a good solution. Allow me to read again verses 2 through 6. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said... It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. 
they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. What do we have going on here? Well, this is a good solution to the problem. And let me share a few ways that it averted potential disaster in the church. For one, the apostles made an important choice to stay true to their primary calling. Right? It was imperative that the widows be cared for. That was non-negotiable. It was also imperative that the word be preached. They couldn't give up either of these missions. So what were they going to do? Well, they raised up new leadership. New leadership. Imagine if those apostles had become full-time food distribution coordinators. They would have taken care of the widows really well. But you know what? We wouldn't be sitting here today because their mission was to preach the word. So they raise up these new leaders, and what we have here is essentially the first deacons appointed and elected to uh, take care of the needs of the church. It was also a good solution because of who was chosen for these, these roles. They were wise, spirit-filled men. Good leadership is important. It might seem like the apostles thought that this ministry was beneath them, right? It would not be right for us to neglect the preaching of the word to wait on tables. But did you notice the qualifications for this ministry? Full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. This was an important thing for the church to do. Also, one final note is all of the seven men chosen here have Greek names. What does that tell us? Well, to me, it tells us that because the Greek-speaking widows were being overlooked, the Christians got together and said, we want to make sure your widows do not get overlooked again. So we're going to give you complete control of this ministry. We'll hand, hand the reins to you. That really shows love and trust doesn't it? So there's, there's new leadership. There's God-appointed leadership for this role. Now, what can we learn for our church? Whatever ways we decide to reach out to children and families is going to require leadership. And whatever happens cannot center on me. It would not be right for me to neglect the preaching of the word and caring for you and praying for you to become a full-time children's ministry coordinator, right? Even though that's a tremendously important ministry. And so God needs to raise up leaders. And I believe that he's already given us the leaders we need. Many of the leaders we need are already in place. We have VBS, we have the Jimmy Center, we have Sunday School. But there's also going to need to be new leaders and new leadership structures coming into place. Let me pick on uh, Brian Kinsman for a moment, who is one such leader, not, per, not for children's ministry in particular, but a leader whom God has been raising up in some new ways in our church. Um, when he first joined us, he came from a, a church where he had um, 
directed and or helped with several ministries like Operation Christmas Child and uh, youth group and um, financial classes. And he's, he's told me, and he wouldn't share all this with you, he's a humble guy, but he's told me that he hasn't felt particularly qualified for the roles he's been in, but other people have noticed that he has the Holy Spirit and has wisdom for these roles. And God has always given him what he needs to, to serve him in these ways. Recently at our church, Brian has been leading, well, he was elected as a deacon in 2019, and he's been leading a, a Zoom small group, which has flourished. He's also recently taken over the monthly prayer meeting to lead that. And two meetings ago, we all came on the screen and Brian told us, I really feel like our church should be praying for children. Let's pray for the children in our church, the children in the school, the children in the community, the kids in broken homes. And we just spent about an hour praying for children. I think God is up to something. And that's not something I would have thought of. That came from another leader that God had raised up. So God is up to something, and he may, he may enlist you to help lead what he's doing. Well, let's get back to the story in Acts. It ends with a very good outcome. A good outcome. Verse 7 says, So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. There's unprecedented advancement of the gospel, right? Because the church is now freer to take care of the poor and to preach the gospel. Um, a literal translation of verse 7 is the word of God increased, increased, like it grew, it bore fruit. Not just that it spread and more people heard it, but that it bore fruit, more people understood it and believed it and obeyed it. And that's what we want for our community as well, isn't it? Furthermore, the gospel made inroads to a very unlikely group of converts, the temple priests. There were actually thousands of priests employed by the temple in Jerusalem. It was a big operation. But think of how much those priests had to lose by becoming disciples of Jesus. Their whole career, their whole livelihood. And even they were coming to faith in Christ. I think this teaches us not to underestimate what God can do when his word increases, when his word spreads. Who do you think would be the most unlikely converts in Georgia or in your community? Who would you be most surprised to see walk in the doors of this church? I think, personally, it would be the young, happy, secular families all around us. Those with nominal Christian background or no Christian background who are raising their kids with um, you know, f lives full of family events and sports and um, camps and all kinds of cool opportunities 
and the th parents have good jobs, to me, they'd be the last, like, least likely people to walk into church. But God can, can let his word increase even among those people, even among them. God can do it. Well, if we step back and look at the big picture here of Acts 6, it reminds us that, that God uses the problems we face as opportunities for the mission to be expanded. And I pray that we would handle our problems here and in the community in that way. Think of how this story could have ended. It could have said, and so the complaints turned to division, and the division turned to infighting, and the church was divided into the Hebraic Christians and the Greek Christians. The end. It could have ended in stagnation. And so the 12 apostles became full-time Meals on Wheels drivers. And all the widows in Jerusalem were provided for, but the Christian movement fizzled out in a couple years. And we wouldn't be here today. But because they responded to this problem with wisdom, with the Holy Spirit, their ministry expanded. And the Word of God increased. So how will our story as a church be written? Here's what I would love it to say. As Georgia, Vermont secularized and fewer people knew Jesus, Georgia Plains Baptist Church noticed the great need to reach children with the gospel. And so with prayer and the Holy Spirit, existing ministries were revitalized and new ministries were created. New leaders were raised up. And so the word of God increased. The number of disciples of Jesus in Georgia grew rapidly. And a large number of families became obedient to the faith. Wouldn't that be awesome? Amen. We are going to...